Thank you for tuning in to the Access Church Podcast of the Week. We hope that you are both challenged and encouraged by this message. Well, today we have one more week next week as we've been uh, wrapping up this series on the Ten Commandments. And uh, today I've entitled this message, Tell the Truth. Okay, let's just shoot straight. Tell the truth. Be a truth teller and tell the truth. Next week, we'll talk about the secret to satisfaction, and then I'll jump into a Christmas message the week before Christmas. But to tell the truth, in this series, we've been talking about timeless values for today's family. We've been talking about many of the values that some of us were raised with that seem to uh, be missing in our culture. Things like, you know, uh, you know, honoring the vows of marriage, loving your family, being a person of integrity and honesty and and so forth. And today we're kind of getting to the end of this teaching series with the ninth command. And here it is. The Bible says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not my neighbor right now. And I'm sitting next to you. You're to not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now the Bible takes this command that's in the old covenant And we've talked about, you know, how Jesus took these Old Testament, you know, commands and he expands them in the new, where it says in the Old Testament, you know, don't commit adultery. In the new, Jesus says, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery where? In your heart. And so Jesus now even takes this principle or this commandment about false testimony against your neighbor And we look in the New Testament, it's now expanded to cover lying and deception. And you and I are to be people that tell the truth. So it's more than just false testimony. It's being a person that tells the truth. So what are some other scriptures related to this before we jump into some key points? Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Well, that's really clear that if, if you want to walk in prosperity, which is way more than just money, it's an overflow of what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. If you want to live out of the overflow and live a long and healthy and satisfying life, then you should probably guard the words that you speak. Proverbs 11 verse 3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. That you and I are to be people of integrity. You and I are to be people of truth. That we pattern our lives according to not what culture says, but according to what the Bible says. Thank God we don't have to make decisions based as a Christian based on our feelings and our emotions and what's profitable and popular and pleasing. We make decisions, and the Bible says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Proverbs also says the unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble. You ever meet somebody that's just like trouble chases them everywhere they go? The unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. A messenger is someone that's officially designated to represent or to speak on behalf of someone in a position of authority. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go. 
And so you and I are messengers and we represent the authority of heaven. We're to be people of integrity and to be people that always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Well, let's talk about the reality of lying in our culture because it's all around us, isn't it? Everywhere you look, people operate under a spirit of deception. They don't tell the truth. Now, the Bible, you know, God gives us great wisdom in the Bible because he understands and he knows that at times we're going to be tempted to lie. And I'm sure you've never been tempted to lie. It's the person that's sitting near you. You've never been tempted to lie. I'm, I'm certain of that. But I believe that God knew from the very beginning that there would be a propensity for you and I to not always operate based on truth as a principle. And so there's so much in Scripture so that it checks us from little white lies. It checks us from half-truths or twisting the truth or gossip where you don't necessarily know the truth or discrediting someone or slandering someone. You ever skirted around the truth? You just kind of beat around the bush. Maybe it's just a half-truth. It's not really a truth, but you just don't have enough guts to say, I lied. Have you ever boasted or exaggerated, suggested hints of something that wasn't true, but you said it was true, and you wink, and you... The reality is, in our culture, I would submit to you that lying is almost acceptable in our culture. In fact, many people are disturbed at people that they look and they, they, they're like, well, you really believe in like absolute truth? You really believe that like you should tell the truth? There are employees or employers that don't want to hire an employee that's someone that is someone that speaks the truth. So it's kind of the reality of, of our culture. In fact, a study of even Christians in our culture said 66% of Americans don't even believe that there are times that there are white lies. A half-truth is not really a truth. And so we live in a generation that shades the truth, tells white lies, withholds the truth. And we just kind of almost have a bent towards somebody says something's real, but we don't necessarily believe that they're being honest with us. Lying's just so common and it's even expected. We look at politics. It's like, choose the best liar out of the bunch. We don't expect them to tell us the truth, really. We all know that there's just no principle of, of truth. So you just promise a bunch of stuff and smile and know that people genuinely just don't believe you. It's just kind of part of our so, so what's the point? Just because it's expected in culture doesn't mean that it's justified in Scripture. Just because lying is expected in our culture doesn't mean that it's justified in Scripture. Now, the man that developed the lie detector machine tested 25,000 individuals, and he claimed in his conclusions, he said the whole human race is basically deceptive. That was his conclusion. 
When you really think about sin entering the world all the way at the beginning, sin entered into the world through the door of a lie. When Adam believed the lie of the devil, the devil comes to them in the Garden of Eden. Why aren't you to eat of the one tree? It was like you, could, you can have everything you here, need here, everything you want, but the one thing. It's like, well, why? What's the big deal? And Eve said, because God said in that day, we eat this tree, we're going to surely die, right? That's what the Bible says. The devil disputed the word of God. You're surely not going to die. And then there came this lie. And through that lie, we see the fall of the human race. Jesus said, the devil is the father of what? Lies. When you operate in deception, when you tell a lie, you're partnering with the strategy and the work of the enemy, but Jesus is and will always be what? Truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Proverbs chapter six says this, there are six things the Lord hates, not, oh, no, seven, right? Haughtiness, lying, murdering, plotting evil, eagerness to do wrong, a false witness, sowing discord among brothers. Four of these things have to do with lying and false testimony. It's interesting out of the seven that you can boil it down and there are four of them that address this issue of lying and giving false testimony. And the Bible says that the Lord what? He hates it. So take note of the reality of, of lying in our culture. Now, let's get practical and talk about some of the reasons because this is where it gets really practical this morning. It's interesting because a lot of times we think if I lie, it's justified. Or if, with, if I withhold the truth, it's justified. It's in, justified in my mind. It's justified in this situation. I can explain it. It's justified in my mind. But if you lie, then it's unforgivable. If I lie or if I withhold the truth, it's, it can be justified. But man, if you do it, it's unforgivable. I'll send you straight to hell. But if I do it, you know, it's interesting. We want grace for ourselves and then justice for everyone else, <laughs> you know? Give me grace. God, give me grace. You understand my heart. If I told the truth, like it would hurt their feelings. And God, you love them and you care so much about their feelings. So I'll just lie to them at the expense of your feelings. And it's justified. But if you do it to me, you need to go straight to hell, you know? Unforgivable unredeemable. So what does it mean when it says you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor? Because that imagery, we think of court. We think of a courtroom. But you need to expand this imagery this morning to a whole world of deception, a whole world of lies. Augustine said there are eight different categories of lies. Mark Twain said 200 categories let me just give you my top six this morning. My top six. Now, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Take note in that which people speak with their mouth because Jesus said the problem is never in the mouth. The problem is always in the heart. Words 
expose that which is within the heart of man. You can't get away from that in Scripture because Jesus said, out of the overflow, maybe your translations say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the issue is the heart. And when there's something wrong in the heart, there's something wrong in the mouth. And when there's something healthy in the heart, there's something healthy out of the mouth. And until you address the heart, you're just kind of like trimming kind of the branches and not dealing with the root system. It's like putting a Band-Aid on cancer. It does nothing. So everything is connected to the heart. And the reality is the problems that we face in our world, the political problems, the legal problems, the military problems, the religious problems, they're all spiritual problems. And the only way you can fix spiritual problems is through the transformation of the human heart. And you need to see the gospel as the only solution to the problems that we're facing in this nation. It's the only solution for the problems that you're facing at work. It's the only solution for the problems that you're facing with other people. Because until the heart changes, you can't transform people from the outside in. Everything starts with a heart that's transformed. So let's talk about these lies. Number one, there's a cruel lie. Number one, a cruel lie. These aren't going to be on the screen, but I'll just kind of give you categories of lies and then give you the motivation behind them. Number one is the cruel lie. The Bible says don't bear false witness against your neighbor. So the motivation behind a cruel lie, the heart issue is revenge. Say revenge. Have you been there before? It's a cruel lie, and the motivation is revenge. It's resentment. It's anger. You're hurt on the inside, and you're going to take it out on the outside, and you're going to bring them down. You're going to tear them down. It's at the heart of politics. How do you win a race? You find out who you're running against, and you destroy their reputation. It's really wicked when you think about it. It's really evil, but that's what happens in politics. You figure out who's on the playing field, who's, and you destroy the reputation with your words. And so it's cruel, and the motivation is revenge. You shade the truth, you, you distort the truth, and God hates it all. He's so, he despises that because the heart issue is resentment. When you really think about it, there's nothing new under the sun. John chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says that the Pharisees and Sadducees did the same thing to Jesus. They said, Jesus doesn't even have a human father. What are they trying to do? They're trying to discredit him. He doesn't even know who his real father is. They're trying to come up with this plot to to destroy his reputation. They indicated that even Jesus, that he was like an illegitimate child not born of the Spirit of God, and they slandered him with what? A lie. It's a cruel lie motivated by revenge. We see it all around us in culture. Now, let's move to number two, a cowardly lie. A cowardly lie is a little bit different. A cowardly lie is something that we do or something that we say to avoid the consequences of a situation that we're in or to cave to peer pressure. I get it. Everybody wants to fit in, right? Nobody wants to stand out. And until you die to that, you really can't serve Jesus. And you're certainly not going to do well in our culture today because the gospel is countercultural. 
One of the most frustrating things in life is for a Christian to want to be accepted in culture. You're going to stand out. If you're going to be a person of truth in a culture that is not filled with truth, you're going to stand out. There are going to be things that other people want you to do that you can't do. You're going to have to, they're going to tell you you need to say something and, and you know deep in your heart it's not true so you're not going to say it. You can't blend into culture. Years ago, you know, we had a little bit of that, you know, where America was a little bit more Christianized. You could kind of like blend in and assimilate and be a Christian and almost be under the radar. But that, those days are like long gone. And so you have to ask God to give you the confidence. You can't be a coward Christian. Because what happens is these cowardly lies, we say things to avoid consequences or just to fit in. Adam did it. What did Adam say to God? Well, the reason I sinned is what? The woman gave it to me. Her fault. Blame it on her. I just did it because she did it. <laughs> Interesting. So we want to we do that kind of stuff to avoid concept, but there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, think about growing up as a kid. Remember being around your circle of friends and they're like, oh yeah, you know, you smoke cigarettes? I smoke cigarettes. You're like, yeah, I smoke cigarettes. You know you never smoked a cigarette. <laughs> Just a little twit. Just wanted to fit in. Yeah, I smoked. Everybody's laughing because at some point you probably said something like that. And then we grow into adulthood, and everybody's told, you need to believe this. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. I'm just a sheep, and I go with the flow with whatever doctor and politician says. Nobody wants to stand out. The last two years, we've seen things unravel in our country, and a lot of people just sheepishly go with the flow and never say what they truly feel because, God forbid, we would think differently or speak differently than Everybody else. Can I submit to you today that a failure to take a stand is a form of lying? That a failure to actually speak the truth based on what God says is true and what you know is true is actually a form of lying? Why? I don't want to avoid the consequences. I might lose my job. I, I understand that. But since, since when is your employer your source? God can take much better care of you if you're willing to be a person of truth and integrity. Number three, a conceited lie. What is this? It's motivated by insecurity. All of us want people to be impressed. All of us want to be Wowed, especially in an academic community that just places such a high value on intellect. We want people to be impressed. We want people to notice us and, and see us. And there's that insecurity that if you don't die to, you get into these conceited lies to make yourself look better in the eyes of many times people that don't even know the Lord. You're trying to impress someone that doesn't even love Jesus. Got to wonder what that does to God's heart. When we're more concerned about our image than our character, everybody just look at me and smile because this is a little too serious. 
You ever catch yourself more concerned about your image than your character? It's a conceited lie. We, we say or we do or we withhold something and it's motivated by insecurity or, or maybe it's even exaggerating something. I mean, we want to have that kind of reputation. Write this down if you're taking notes. Reputation is what people believe about you. Character is what God knows about you. A reputation is what other people believe about you, and you can create your own world with these. All the kids are smiling, praise Jesus. You know what it's really like. (laughs) Reputation is what other people believe about you. Character is what God knows about you. God sees, he knows, and he cares. And so sometimes even the conceited line, it's, it's motivated by reputation. We like to exaggerate. We like to, perf- you know, we're in central Pennsylvania. It's amazing how hunting stories develop over the years. I mean, it was a four-point buck three years ago, and then five years later, it's a 10-point buck, and you shot it with a rifle, and that thing develops over the years, and it's like, man, I, I, I wrestled that thing to the ground, and I slit its throat, you know? It's like, you just, these stories develop over, and, and it's not true. It may get a good laugh, but an exaggerated story with a hint of truth is still, it's a lie. Number four, the calculated lie. It's manipulated by, or the motive is manipulation. It's a calculated lie. What is a calculated lie? It's when you use a lie to get what you want. So you tell someone what you need to tell them to get what you want them to do. Now, if you're in any type of career that is sales-oriented, you need to guard your heart against this because it's one of the tactics and sales strategies. You tell people what you need to tell them, right? There's a $20,000 credit on this account, you know? But you don't need to know that the interest rate is a gazillion percent a month. Withholding the truth is, is actually not being truthful. If you're in sales, you really do have to ask the Lord to give you divine strategy. And if you are a person of integrity with that strategy, God will bless you. But if you operate based on manipulating people, well, God knows my heart, and I know I need to feed my family, and all of that kind of stuff, what you're actually doing is you're communicating to God that he's not your provider, and so you need to rip people off and withhold the truth and kind of do things that are not really open and honest. And God won't bless that. But I also believe that if you're in sales, you can ask God to give you a great strategy and you can stick, because here's the thing, people in our culture actually want someone to be honest with them. They just don't believe there are any of those people left. They really are looking for someone that can look them in the eye and say, this car costs $5,000 and I'm not selling it for 5001 and I'm not selling it for $4,999. Years ago when Ashley and I purchased our house, I met with a realtor and I said, here's the deal. I'm sure I said it in a much graceful way. 
I said, we, we want to look for a house because I, I, I hate debt. I talked about that last week. And I said, here's the thing. We want to look for houses, but this is our mortgage payment. If you show us a house that's a dollar more than this monthly payment, we'll find another realtor. So you either work with us with that payment, because don't waste, don't waste my time. If I want a $5 house, don't show me a 500 or a 5 dollar and 25 cent house. You know, don't waste my time. Just shoot straight with people. And he's like, well, that's easy. There's about three of those houses in town right now. Pick out of the three. What did we do? We looked at the three and bought one. Just shoot straight with people. Just be honest with them. Walk in and say, you know what? I'll pay $12,000 for this car and just be honest with them. I'm not paying a dollar more, a dollar less. 12,000, take it or leave it. Don't waste my time. I'm not wasting your time. They don't want it. Sell it to you, you just walk out the door. Oh, wait, 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 come on back. I didn't know. I thought, oh, just be a person of your word, even though it's manipulated, manipulation. Number five, there's the convenient lie. This one's a little bit more common. It's a lie that we tell when it's easier just to tell a lie than to take time to explain the truth. So a pastor one time, he's preaching, right? And he's getting ready to prepare the congregation for what's ahead next week. And he says, we're going to talk about lying next week. But between now and next Sunday, go ahead and read Mark chapter 17. So he tells the congregation, he comes back the next week. He said, we're going to start talking this morning. Before we do, how many people read Mark 17? Like everybody raises their hand and he says, there's no Mark 17. (laughs) So let's talk about lying this morning. It's just easier to do it. Then to be honest and just say, I didn't listen to you. It's the parent that doesn't want to take the time to explain to their child. It's just convenient to say something. And I get it. I live in a world of a gazillion and five questions. And Ashley lives in a world of three gazillion and 15 questions every day. And sometimes it's so much easier just to say something that's not true because you don't want to take the time. It's like, if I had to explain this one more time. (laughs) It's the police officer that talks to you on the scene and says, did you see the accident? And you're like, no, 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 I didn't because you don't want to go to court. You don't want to have to take time. You don't want to have to fill out paperwork. And you just kind of... Say something because you don't really want to have to take the time. It's just convenient. Finally, the most serious is the condemning lie. Don't miss this today. If you're here, you're watching in prison. The condemning lie, the motivation is pride. Say pride. I want you to think of Judas in Scripture, one of the disciples Jesus said he was like a devil from the beginning. How could you walk with Jesus for three and a half years? How could you see the miracles? How could you watch the resurrection of a man from the dead like Lazarus? How could you see the feeding of the 5,000 with your very own eyes and still not believe? Unbelief is not an intellectual problem. Unbelief is a choice. Judas saw what everybody else saw, and he chose in his heart to not believe. He didn't need to know anything more. 
But he made the deliberate decision based on what? The motivation is pride, and it's a condemning lie. A person has the capacity to believe, and a person has the capacity to not believe. And guess what? God has given you and me the choice. And I'm thankful that I have choices in life, and I'm not a robot. I chose my wife because I love her. Love requires what? A choice. The condemning lie says, I see it in the word. I hear the gospel. I hear things like Jesus is the only way to the Father. Through him we have access to the Father. But I I choose not to believe. The motivation is pride. And it's a lie that will condemn someone to hell. We see it with Judas. I mean, could you imagine at the very end, even as Jesus is like being ready to be, if Judas would have just said, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't believe in my heart, forgive me. But he had too much pride to humble himself. And we see this all around in our culture. The sad reality is there's a lot of people that will slip from this life into eternity and be in hell because they led a life that was simply a lie. I mean, think about Jesus. He's with him, just part of the group. It's like, I go to church, I'm baptized, giving the offering, a lot of religious activity, and there's sobering scriptures like Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. People are condemned because they live a lie, and it should never be that way. Don't be a religious person on the outside and not have a relationship with Jesus on the inside. You don't get to heaven because you go to church. You don't get to heaven because you read your Bible. You don't even get to heaven because you pray. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. You have to know the Lord. And if not, you just look, you can look religious, but not know the Lord. And live, live a lie. Finally, the remedy. How do we be people of truth in our culture? Because the thing is, I believe people are looking for the they're looking for people that are gonna be people of truth, be people of integrity. How do we do it in a world that is basically just full of absolute deception? A society where lying is just common, it's acceptable. How do we be a person? Because the thing is, when you really think about it, truth is, is such a foundational thing. It needs to be the foundation for a home, a business, an organization, a church, a nation. When you lose truth, it's like you build all of these other things on sand, right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, or slander. In the Jewish culture, in the times that the Bible was written, the body or the parts of the body kind of represented the the personality of a person. And the heart stood for this in scripture. When Jesus said, for out of the heart, comes false testimony in scripture. The heart in Jewish culture represent 
a person's affections and their desires. The heart represents someone's affections and their desires. And if your affections and your desires are to pursue and live for the things in this world, then you're going to have a twisted heart. But if your affections and your desires are to know the Lord and represent the Lord and live for him, then out of the overflow of everything that's in the heart, you're going to have a propensity to be a person of truth in our culture. A person's life has to change in the heart if they're going to live and be a person of truth. You can't just say, be truthful. Try to convince somebody that doesn't know the Lord, that has a twisted heart, to be a person of truth. It just doesn't work. It has to start within your heart. So the remedy is always a heart change. It's always a heart change. Let's get practical, a couple takeaways. How do we remedy this? How do we be a person of truth? We're to tell the truth completely. Say completely. Not just conveniently, not just when it at church, and not just, you know, I'm going to do it at church, but I'm not going to do it at work, I'm going to do it at church, and they compartmentalize. You, you can't do things conveniently. You have to do them completely. Commit to the Lord that I will be a person of truth completely. That when they look at me, and when they see me, and when they hear me, they may not always like me, but they're going to realize I'm consistent. And if I say truth there, they can take my word to the bank that I'm going to say truth over there completely. Look at what the Bible says. It says, in the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. In the end, I think in life, one of the things that you'll discover is that people really actually value those that are willing to tell you the truth and tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. There are a lot of things that I want to hear. But you respect people that tell you what you need to hear. It's the type of person that when you go home, they're like, honey, that shirt wasn't too flattery on you this morning. You're like, ugh, thanks, right? But you know what? When someone loves you, they're willing to tell you the truth. And they say, you know what? You look like a fat slob in that shirt. Lose some weight or get another shirt. Like, nobody wants to hear that. But you know what? I appreciate when somebody's honest. Who wants to walk around looking like a flat slab all week? You love people that are willing to look you in the eye and tell you what you want to hear or need to hear, not always what you want to hear. And so just be a person, right? Be a person. In the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. That's why I think it's important with the gospel. You're not, you don't just be a wishy-washy pastor and just say, hey, love wins, and it all works out in the end, and grace, and yeah, da 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 and, the, and it all. No, I, I, I appreciate that I was taught as a kid, if you don't know the Lord, you don't go to heaven. That Jesus isn't one of many ways, that grace doesn't win in the end, that God understands, and it's, no, I appreciate a pastor. I just saw my childhood pastor the other day from growing up in the Baptist church, and it was like, man, I love the fact that he could just open the Bible and tell you what was in the Bible. And he beat around the bush. And you knew. So just be someone, number one, that tells the truth completely. 
It's tough as an employee. You might have, or an employer, you might have an employee that you need to reprimand. You may even have to let somebody go. Some of you have lots of employees. You may have to let somebody go at some point because they're not being honest with you. But in the end, if you do the right thing, that person down the road will respect you for it. If you're a parent, you may have to challenge your children and say some really hard things as a parent if they're not being honest with you. There may have to be consequences in life. I know we don't live in a world where we like try to you know, not give a lot of consequences, but you know what? There may have to be consequences for your kids when they're not honest with you. But in the end, they're gonna respect you for telling the truth and calling them on it. Number two, tell the truth consistently all the time. Just, just tell the truth consistently. Number three, tell the truth lovingly. I wish I didn't have to say that one. Jesus was filled with truth and what? Grace. Was Jesus 100% truth and 100% grace? Yes. Well, how does that work? How can you be 100% of two things at the same time? I don't understand it, but I know that he's my example. A lot of times I want to be like, you know, I'll be 70% truth today and 30% grace. I'm going to let him have it. Other times it's like, man, I want to be 80% grace and 20% truth and just be the loving. But Jesus was full of grace and he was also full of truth. Truth without grace is mean. You're a jerk if you are all truth and no grace. But I would say that grace without truth is meaningless. You don't care about people if it's all love and no truth. Be a person that is filled with truth and grace. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. We will lovingly follow the truth at all times. Lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like the one who is filled with what? Grace and truth, like Christ who is the head of the body, his church. When you speak the truth and you don't do it in a spirit of love or in a spirit of grace, you will quickly drive someone away that you're trying to help. We love, as Christians, proving points. I'm going to tell them how it is at the expense of making a difference because we're just truth, truth, truth. So if you speak the truth and it's not in a spirit of love, you're going to drive that person away and they're going to feel like it's an attack. You're just one of those religious people. You're just the truth person. You're a jerk because they don't sense the heart of the Father that loves us that has good things, right? So you have to ask God for the supernatural grace to do these things. If you speak in any other spirit than the spirit of love to someone, they're gonna reject it and they're gonna take it personally. Everything has to come from a heart of love. Write this down. Life and death is not in the power of the mind. Life and death is not even in the power of the heart. The Bible says life and death is in the power of what? The tongue. And your words have to come from a healthy heart if they're going to penetrate someone that needs Christ. The Bible says reckless words pierce like a sword. 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your words are a powerful, powerful, powerful weapon. And so you need to speak them. And when you do it, speak with a spirit of love. Realize my words can devastate or they can delight. They can discourage or they can encourage. They can build up or tear down. Your words carry great power. And then finally, as the worship team comes up, as you represent Christ in our world, you need to tell the truth completely, be consistent, speak the truth lovingly, and then finally speak the truth tactfully. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the wisely words are spoken to heal. Intelligent people typically think before they speak. Now, there are intelligent people that don't. (laughs) But you know what? Be a person that's, what's the Bible say? Quick to listen, slow to... You ever been there before? You speak and you're like, ah, I wish I could just grab those back. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? Is what the Bible says. Be a person that tells the truth tactfully. What does tactfully mean? Being a person of tact makes someone feel in your home like you wish, like being a person of tact makes someone feel like they're at home when you wish they were outside of your home. You just can connect with people and you have tact. And you realize that, you know what, as you leave church today, wherever you go this week, you're never going to look into the eyes of somebody that Jesus doesn't love. You're never going to look into the eyes of somebody that if Jesus could come down to the earth and never died on the cross, he, he, would, he would die for that one person that you look in the eyes, the person that you hate, the person that you resent, the person that you're like, man, I wish I could just say whatever I want and let them know what Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. And your words carry great power be a person that as you speak, be diplomatic, have tact to your words. Tell the truth tactfully. Tell the truth thoughtfully. Be genuinely concerned with the other person's feelings and their emotions and where they are with or without God. My pastor, Pastor Grable, growing up, used to always say, people will forget what you say, but they'll always remember how you feel or how you made them feel. There are a lot of times we just say things, and if it's not done out of the heart of the Father, people walk away and they know, man, that person doesn't care about me. That person doesn't love me. May that not be true of us. Amen? How many of us need help with this? Just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. We ask for your help. May we be a people that are filled with grace and truth all the time. As we walk about in our community, may we not just look into the eyes of Republicans and Democrats and black and white and educated and uneducated, rich and poor, and like none of that stuff matters. May we look into the eyes and realize it's a person that Jesus loves. It's a person that he came and gave his life for. 
And Father, I pray for us as a church. I pray for us individually. Lord, I pray we would be people, Lord, that are people of truth. Lord, I pray as our names are brought up in conversations that people would say, that's just somebody who's willing to tell you the truth. They say it how it is. They're a person of integrity. What they say, what they believe, and what they do, it's one in the same. I don't understand it. That's a person that tells the truth. It's a person of conviction. They don't just go with the flow of what everybody else is doing, but their lives are grounded and rooted in another reality. And Father, we ask for your help with that. Let's stand together. Maybe you're here today in person or you're watching online and you don't know the Lord. Today's your day to come into relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What good is it to look religious on the outside if you know deep down in your heart that you don't have peace with God? that your sin is not forgiven, that you don't go to bed at night with the assurance that when you slip from this life into eternity that you're with the Lord. The Bible says that when you know Jesus, you can have that assurance within your heart by way of the Holy Spirit. It's not a hope so. I hope it all works out. It's a no so. You know that you're a child of God, that you're a work in progress, right? All All of us are growing. But today's your day just to come into relationship with the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Access Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online at scaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. And if you're listening from the State College or surrounding area, we would love to have you join us for a weekend service in the future.